If you'll please turn to your bulletin and let us read together our verse of the day. This will also be found on your screen if you are worshiping with us online. So let us say this verse together. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. Amen. We're all friends, right? Even if we haven't met yet. And we're all a family, right? And like any family, we're imperfect. And life with one another can be messy. But as a family, we still love one another in spite of our messes, right? So can I be frank with you all this morning? I'm hurting. And I'm feeling disheartened. And I'm curious. Am I the only one? So here we are, a community of family and friends, all struggling, all hurting, all questioning, and all wondering. And the specifics as to why each of us is feeling these things aren't that important, are they? Because we all have pain, and our pain is real and our pain is shared. So let's sit with this just for a moment. And I'd like you to keep this in mind as I share my thoughts with you today because you may not agree with everything that I'm about to say. And that is more than okay because at the heart of all of this is our shared pain. So in politics, the topic of social security is often called the third rail. Like the third rail of a subway line, the rail that is electrified and volatile, you don't want to touch it. Because a lot of harm and damage can come to you if you do. So politicians tend to stay away from the topic of social security or else they risk possible harm or damage to their careers. Similarly, what are those three things that they say you should never discuss at a dinner party? Money, politics, and religion, right? And now, the way I see it, we are daily surrounded with topics that I would consider powder kegs. Those topics that are explosive because conversation around them always, without fail, generates heat. Racism, gun control, police violence, both violence committed by some officers and officers subjected to unprovoked violence themselves. COVID and the COVID vaccine, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, just to name a few. In the past couple of years, and especially the past few weeks, I have been desperate for some wisdom and guidance. I have been searching for voices that can put into words some semblance of meaning and understanding as to why so much suffering 
continues to plague our communities and our lives. And I'm still searching for those voices. And I guess I humbly acknowledge that perhaps some of you are looking to me today to be that voice for you and honestly it's a heavy burden to carry yet it's also a part of my call to being a pastor and a preacher in such a time as this. After all, you have given me and Kelly the privilege of this pulpit and this great nation, in spite of its many flaws, and this great denomination, in spite of its many flaws, has given me the right, as a woman, to stand here today and share what is on my heart and mind without fear of retribution or harm. I don't have all the answers, and I never at any point in my lifetime will pretend that I do, but I feel called to use the privilege of this pulpit. I feel called and convicted to preach on these topics, these elephants in the room, not to tell you whether your opinion on any of these issues is right or wrong, but rather to remind us all that there are so many gray areas in all of them and it's all so messy. And because of this mess, I feel called to share with you the only answer that I do have and that is the truth of the goodness of God ultimately shown through the death and resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. My only answer, like St. Paul said, is to preach Christ crucified, and my only answer is to preach the hope of Jesus. Because 2,000 years ago, God gave the world a sign, an empty tomb where once a body lay. You see, Jesus also lived during a very, very turbulent time, and he was also very troubled by the goings-on in his homeland of Israel and the ways in which the country's leaders were leading especially during a time of so much turbulence and disharmony, just like we are feeling today. And because of this, he knew his call was to preach the goodness of God's kingdom and that it was in the process of being fulfilled right there in their presence. Additionally, Jesus also didn't back down or back away from the great issues of his day, but rather he gave voice and clarification with a kingdom mindset. And the religious authorities didn't like it. Not at all. They didn't like it that he kept challenging them and poking them, even to the point of provoking them into a plot to kill him. And all because they were blind to the truth of the matter, blind to who he was and what he was all about. They were set in their ways, they were closed-minded, and they refused to listen. Time and time again in Scripture, we see the religious elite doing their best to try and trip up Jesus and trap him in his words. They try to refute his teachings, yet time and time again, they fail in their efforts. And we saw that in today's reading from Matthew. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are demanding Jesus to prove it right in that moment who he really is by giving them a sign of some sort. 
To which Jesus, of course, refuses, because after all, he has been doing miracle upon miracle in public settings. So he is not about to acquiesce to their demands right there on the spot. Of course, Jesus was doing all sorts of signs, says theologian N.T. Wright. The gospel story is full of them, and he longed for people to be able to read the signs of the times, to see the gathering storm clouds in Israel's national life, to recognize the way in which corrupt leaders, false teachers, and people bent on violence were leading the nation towards inevitable disaster, from which only repentance and a fresh trust in God's kingdom could save them. The irony was that they were asking him for a sign, but they were blind to the many signs all around them. You see, the people just didn't get it. They didn't understand the power of who was in their midst. Even though he did miracle upon miracle in their sight, they were blinded to the truth. But Jesus knew that it wasn't until he was crucified and buried for three days, then ultimately resurrected, that then they would understand the signs that he had been showing them. In other words, they just wouldn't get it until then. To me, all that is happening around us right now is a sign that we need God more and more. Because so far, it feels like nothing else has worked. No laws, no legislature, no protests, no social media posts, intelligence, culture, nothing. Nothing but the madness and the folly of the cross, like we heard Sandy read from St. Paul's letters to the, to the Corinthians. It's a crazy message. For me to stand here and to say that the crucifixion of Christ is the answer, but again, you tell me, has anything else worked until now? This was and is the craziest message anyone could imagine. This wasn't a smart new philosophy, it was madness. It wasn't an appeal to high culture. It was news of an executed criminal from a despised race, writes N.T. Wright. And he continues, bring the whole scene forward 2,000 years and we face the same question for ourselves. What are the signs of the times in our own day? Where are leaders and teachers, official and unofficial, leading people astray? What are the true signs of God's work in our midst? How can we learn to tell the difference in our moral and spiritual life together between the signs we must observe and those that we would do better to ignore? This past Tuesday, in our weekly staff meeting, we lamented together about the state of our world, the suffering of neighbors, and our own seeming helplessness. And Sandy Main said something brilliant, as she so often does, and I paraphrase. She said that the world is in such desperate need of the church because you cannot legislate tolerance. You cannot legislate patience. You cannot legislate peace or love. And she is so very right. These are all attributes untouchable by our government and our laws, but they are the commands of God. 
These are the attributes we need to be stuffing inside of our powder kegs of hope. Things that cannot be written into the laws of the land, but things that can be written into our hearts and things that can be expressed through our words, our actions, and our touch. This was the message Jesus was preaching. These were the signs that he was so desperately wanted people to pay attention to. Again, N.T. Wright says that the Christian good news is all about the true God confronting the world of posturing, power, and prestige, and overthrowing it in order to set up his own kingdom, a kingdom in which the weak and the foolish find themselves just as welcome as the strong and the wise, if not more so. My friends, we live in dark, treacherous times. Daily we are faced with the news of so many horrific, tragic things. And daily we are faced with the choice on how we will respond individually and as a church community. Daily we are faced with the choice of whether or not we will light a match to the powder keg of division or the powder keg of unity the powder keg of intolerance or the powder keg of tolerance, the powder keg of war or the powder keg of hate, of peace, powder keg of peace, powder keg of hate or the powder keg of love, the powder keg of misunderstanding or the powder keg of understanding. From where does your anger stem? And how will you choose to spread the love of God in spite of that anger? I cannot and will not tell you what you should and should not be angry about. But for me, I'm angry at those police officers in Akron for their seeming excessive force. I'm angry at the young man who deliberately targeted our Detroit police officers successfully taking the life of officer courts. I'm angry at the Uvalde police for inaction. I'm angry that I had to worry about my niece going to a public venue to watch fireworks on the 4th of July. I'm angry at systems that fail those with mental health issues. I am angry at politicians that seem to protect ideals over human dignity. I'm angry that violent protests, violent protests, are justified. I'm angry that school teachers are underappreciated and underpaid. I am angry that school children are afraid to go to school. I'm angry that some of my black brothers and sisters feel unsafe in Livonia. I'm angry that the media and politicians have successfully divided our country over a lethal global pandemic. And all of this anger is starting to exhaust me. All of this negativity in the world is starting to exhaust me. And all of the division is starting to exhaust me. But I can declare the hope that I know to exist in Jesus Christ. Additionally, I cannot and will not judge on behalf 
of the woman who was gang-raped and is now pregnant. I cannot and will not judge on behalf of the 25-year-old young man who just discovered that abortion was a serious consideration for his single mother. But I can declare the hope that I know to exist in Jesus Christ. And I can declare without a shadow of a doubt that God works in miraculous ways through all of these situations and through all of our lives constantly working on our behalves with incredible mercy and grace, a mercy and grace that cannot be legislated and a mercy and grace that is unconditional no matter the situation, the circumstance, or the choice. God bless you for wherever you stand on any issue that is considered to be a cultural powder keg. Because from my perspective, many sides have components that are right and many sides equally as messy as the other. But that's essentially what we have been called to do, to sit in the mess with our brothers and our sisters. Because sometimes we cause the mess, and sometimes we have been called to clean up the mess. It's a painful time for our country, regardless of what side you fall on any issue. So look around you. Pain is shared. Questions prevail. But look, we're all sitting in the same room with one another simply because the ground at the foot of the cross is level and equal and there is room for us all. And the ground at the foot of the cross is level because the foolishness of God is wiser than humankind's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than humankind's strength. Therefore, St. Paul writes in his letter to the church in Rome, the seat of world power at that time, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our trials, knowing that trials bring about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. Let me say that again, my friends. Hope does not disappoint. The hope of God and Jesus' resurrection does not disappoint. Because quite frankly, we cannot place our hopes in money, in our jobs, in our likes on our social media posts, or in Supreme Court rulings. Because that hope will always fall short. The news of Jesus' resurrection was a powder keg of hope for all those who truly believed that he was the Messiah. And the news of this exploded 
around the world and to a movement that is still bringing hope today to all who hear. So please, join me in sharing this hope today. A hope that does not disappoint, a hope that is steadfast and eternal, a hope that is freely given to all, unconditionally. So here's your match. To what powder keg will you put it? Amen.